Well, welcome to Sexagesima Sunday. We are in pre-Lent. It's the second of our pre-Lenten Sundays. These are the preparatory Sundays for the preparation time. Um, the, these Sundays are very helpful for us because uh, we cannot be surprised by Lent this way. Uh, we have time to uh, think about what our Lenten discipline will be. Um, in, a, in a very pointed way, Holy Church reminds us Lent is on the way. We have purple um, on today, and uh, we're not singing the Gloria and the Alleluia. We're anticipating the discipline of Lent. So start thinking now about what your Lenten discipline is going to be. And, um, of course, for uh, some of you, that may uh, involve, um, well, hopefully going to Mass more frequently, uh, in person, if, if at all possible. I know that some of you who may be watching can't go, but um, uh, or it's very difficult for you to go. But for those of you who, who can, uh, going to Mass uh, more frequently, maybe even daily during Lent, which is a good thing. And so your participation in Mass during this time has to be something that's very, um, that, you know, much you know, deepened. It's an opportunity for you to not only to participate more often, but also anticipate, uh, participate a little better. Um, there was a great liturgist of the, of the last century by the name of Louis Bouillet, and uh, he said that participation in the liturgy is the reception of sacramental grace through a living faith illumined and inflamed by the liturgy itself. You know, we think about what sacred liturgical worship is. Okay? And every word and every gesture of the sacred liturgy is Christ speaking and acting. He is the true actor in sacred liturgy. And so when we are at, um, whether it is at Mass or another uh, function of the celebration of a sacrament, or, uh, or uh, something like adoration, or whatever it is, a liturgical event. Christ is the true actor in the Mass. And so we should be ready, like, um, you know, the, the, the phrase, uh, the Latin adage says, philosophical adage says, quid recipitur, in modo recipientis recipitur, that that which is received is received in the mode of the one receiving it. Um, how, how can I illustrate this? For example, if I were to uh, continue to uh, give this little ferrerino in, in, in Hungarian, uh, not many of you would be able to understand it, um, because you would be, re you would be receiving the, the words in your manner of receiving them. You would be receiving them in the manner of one who doesn't know Hungarian, therefore you wouldn't understand it. Um, let's use another illustration. Um, say, for example, I have a, uh, a large water tank over here, and I have a Dixie cup over here. And if I take a fire hose, I can fill up that tank, and the tank can take the water pretty well, because it's a big water tank. But if I aim the fire hose at the Dixie cup, that's not going to go very well, because the Dixie cup is going to receive the water in the manner in which it's able to receive it, and it's only a Dixie cup. So whatever is received is received in the manner of the one receiving it. 
And so we have, um, this connects, of course, with our uh, parable today that we have from the Lord, who talks about different kinds of soil. And the first three um, that are receiving the, the seed from the sower, it's the parable of the sower, he goes out and he starts throwing seeds around. Some of them fall on the wayside um, or on the road. And uh, I, uh, I made it in, in the piece that I wrote about uh, this for uh, 1 Peter 5 this week. I likened that road to the Internet. Um, that's the seeds fall there and they're trampled underfoot and then evil birds come and eat it. And the Lord even says that those are demons. Those are spirits of Satan. Those are demons. And, um, and others fall on rock and others fall, you know, there's the heat of the day and they can't put down roots. Depending on the kind of soil, right? The we are the soil. The word of God is, the Lord says, the word of God is the seed, the logosteu. And the logosteu is Christ himself, right? The word of God. It's not just the good news. It's not just scripture. It's not, you know, just uh, graces. It's the Lord himself who is being sown lavishly by the Father all over the place. You you think in the ancient world, um, in an agrarian society that was so very dependent on on making sure that there was a good crop, um, you know, they didn't have modern tools of agriculture. They had to, you know, agriculture was a lot more precarious then. And... um, you know, so here's the, the image. This is the this is the twist in the in the parable. Um, here's the sower going around throwing seed everywhere. Well, you wouldn't do that in the ancient world. No, no, you'd be very careful with the seeds and putting it and trying to put it in just the right place. You wouldn't be out there throwing the road or the rock or anything like that. So that's the twist in it. That's the weird little thing in it that's meant to get our attention. You now, who is this guy who's throwing the seed in very strange places? Well, this is the lavish, generous. A loving God who throws the seed in every every possible place that it that it could that there's it so that there's a chance that it will that it'll catch and grow and, and put down roots and bear fruit. Well, um, we are like this with the with our participation in in holy mass in our liturgical worship. Sometimes we are you know closed off. And, Sometimes we're eager, but we can get distracted. Or sometimes we are, you know, really focused. We're all there, and uh, you know, for our active participation, you know, this is a this is an important point, isn't it? Active participation in in, in Holy Mass, it should be full. You know, like the Second Vatican Council said, they desired that our participation should be full, conscious, and active. Full meaning all of our person, you know, all of our person, our heart, our mind. Our will, all engaged, conscious, well, we should be thoughtful and, you know, we should know what it is that we're, we're doing. And so that requires a certain amount of, you know, catechetical preparation, but also then our own preparation for each and every time we're going to go to Mass, taking a look at the readings ahead of time, looking at the antiphons, you know, trying to determine what's there so that when they are coming along, we're not trying to just follow along in our book and catch up catch up to what's going on, just like you have a preparatory season before Lent even begins so that Lent doesn't take you by surprise and you're trying to catch up when Lent has already started. No, that's the same thing with preparation for Holy Mass. We take a look at the things ahead of time 
so that they don't surprise us as they hit us, um, and we are able to glean more from them. We are better soil to receive the logos deu, the 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 word of God. And uh, for our full conscious and active participation, you see, with the, along with the parable of the sower, it's really about being actively receptive rather than carrying a bowl around or, you know, jumping up and down or, you know, walking around or, you know, doing things. It's more about being actively receptive, being still and being very much connected with your will. Now, this is the hard part. Because it's possible for us to have divided minds, isn't it? Have you ever had the experience of, for example, uh, someone, someone suddenly telling you, would you please stop doing that? And you realize that you've been humming or whistling or, or something. And your mind is over here doing this. But in the meantime, you've been humming or whistling, and you didn't even realize you were doing it. Another thing, too, for example, um, in reading, you might uh, be reading a book, and you turn a page, and as you turn the page, you look at the new page, and you suddenly you realize that you have no idea what it was that you just read, because you're actually thinking about a grocery list that you have to make and the other things that you have to do. And your mind, your eyes have been moving down the page, and you've been reading the words. So if you, you turn it back and you look back and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess I did read that. But your mind was actually over there. Um, another thing, uh, for example, you might be, say you might be in a choir, and you might be singing in a choir at church, and you're singing along, and all. if someone were to look at you, they'd say, okay, the person is focused, you're looking at the conductor, and or the, the choir director, and you're singing the words, if they could hear you, you're singing the words, you're hitting the pitches, you're saying everything properly, you're singing, but you're thinking about, you know, later on, the ball game is going to be on. And you wonder how, you know, they're going to do and so forth. And, oh, yeah, that's right. I have to stop at the store and pick up, what was it, milk and eggs and something. Like that. Your mind is actually over there, but you're functioning. But you're not all there. It's the same thing with our liturgical uh, participation. To be able to engage the will properly so that you are, focused here in the moment is very difficult. And this is one of the reasons, I think, why the traditional Mass is, uh, is hard for some people. Um, there was, a, yesterday, there was a, a tweet on Twitter. Um, let's call that the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the road <laughs> side, the roadside where some of the seeds fall and then the demon birds come and eat it, you know, tweet, tweet it. Um, someone, uh, I saw a comment 
saying that, you know, I, I think it's okay that people want to go to the old mass, but I have a really hard time uh, with active participation, especially at low mass. And I wrote back immediately, yes, <laughs> yes, it is hard. It's very hard, but it ought to be hard. How should how can how can any of this be easy? You know, think about what it is that we're doing here. This is this is where this is an encounter with the mystery that transforms. It's the mystery that is both simultaneously alluring and terrifying when you start to think about what it what it truly is that we are having an encounter with Almighty God. This is a a, a moment when heaven and earth unite. In the words of the priest, God himself comes down upon our altars in thousands of churches. How is any of this supposed to be easy? No, you see, this is that's a trap. You see, when, when people start trying to make things easy in our liturgical worship, that is something that we have to be very careful of because it's precisely in the difficulty that we have the greatest opportunity to focus ourselves, give ourselves more, be actively receptive to what it is that's being given. And the only way to be able to do that is to be still and to be focused. Sometimes I, I you know, for example, if you say you, you've done your, your homework ahead of time, and you reviewed your readings, you know what the gospel is going to be, and you know you looked at the antiphons and so forth, so you prepared yourself. I mean, you don't have to memorize them, but you, you familiarized yourself. And that way, you know, you, you're not, you don't have to necessarily follow along in the book, and you're saying, oh, gosh, well, that translation isn't the same as one as I've got in my book. And in the meantime, the reading has moved on. And remember, the actual recitation of the reading is part of the sacrificial offering. That's why it's important that it be read by the priest, and that's why it's important to be read at the altar, because the readings themselves are also part of the sacrifice being raised to God. But in being still and being actively receptive, not passively receptive, but actively receptive, I like to use the description of being actively receptive as being as like the your the your heart and your mind have fingers and they're reaching out and catching the words as they come and bringing them in, catching them out of almost like plucking them out of the air as they come and taking them into your mind and your heart. That's how I like to describe being actively receptive. When you have an encounter like this with words and with the gestures of, of sacred liturgy. We are having an encounter with the true actor behind those words, behind those gestures. And that is, of course, Jesus Christ, who is the high priest, the true actor in the Mass. He's the one who's speaking. He's the one who is doing things. Um, St. Augustine of Hippo, um, in talking about uh, the Psalms, uh, would say that there that Christ is present in every word of all of the Psalms, and He's present in different ways. He is present. He's speaking. 
the Christ is speaking in every word of the Psalms. Sometimes he is speaking as Christ, the head of the body, to the Father. Sometimes he's speaking as the body to the Father. And sometimes he's speaking Christus totus, body and head together to the Father. Well, here we have a good analogy, I think, for the different roles that we have in our liturgical worship. Um, we Sometimes the, the head speaks, the priest speaks. Sometimes the people speak, and it's the body speaking to the Father. Always Christ speaking. Remember, by your baptism, you know, you have a share in that priesthood um, that, that Christ gave you, a, uh, that you've been given at baptism. And so your words and your gestures are pleasing off sacrificial offerings to God as well by that baptism. And so sometimes the Christ, the, the head and the priest speaks. Sometimes Christ, the body speaks. Sometimes uh, these two things come together and they both speak at the same time. And there are, and this is even manifested in the layout of a church. Remember, you have the sanctuary where Christ the head belongs. You have the body of the church. We even call it the body of the church, the, the, the nave of the church, where the, the body is, where the congregation is. And then there's that mysterious point of encounter, which is at the, at the moment of communion, when Christ the head, you know, and Christ the body come together to be Christus totus in that incredible moment of the reception of Holy Community, the communion rail, which is why it's fitting that there should be an architectural element that divides the two to show that liminal, that mysterious liminal moment. And I think this, this I, I bring this up because just before, before the Second Vatican Council, I think it was in 1958, Pius XII issued a document about sacred music, and he was talking about active participation before the Second Vatican Council began. They were talking about this already. There was nothing new um, about the Second Vatican Council's bringing this up. They are already working on it. And he said in that document that the most perfect form of active participation is, get this, the reception of Holy Communion in the state of grace. It's not singing a song. It's not wandering around with a bowl or a candle or, or something. It's reception of Holy Communion, reception of the Word of God, the Logos the You, the reception of the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, the high priest, the true actor in the liturgy, by someone who is in the state of grace. Right? Remember, quid quid recipitur, in modo recipientis recipitur. If you're in the state of grace, what is it you're receiving? You're receiving all those graces along with it. If you're not in the, in the state of grace, you're not receiving those graces. As a matter of fact, it's a, it's a sacrilegious thing. And so we have to be good soil for the seed that our loving Father wants lavishly, lavishly to pour out um, upon the world and, and upon us. And also to help to prepare those who are in our care or under our influence to be good receivers of the word. You know, we are not alone in this. There are other people around us. And if there are things that we can do which would help them to be better receivers of the, the Logos Theu, of the word of God, the seed that the that the sower is trying to plant, 
well, then that's our responsibility to help them as well. All of these things have to do with enriching our Catholic identity. And so you can see immediately what the connection is between our liturgical participation and therefore the right of liturgy, which makes such a difference because it's the thing being received, has for our Catholic identity, which is why I always say we are our rights. When we give ourselves over to them and we receive them, they form us, they shape us, they take root in us. The fruit is born from who we are by what it is that we receive. And so we are our rights. That's why our rights are important and our preparation for participation in those rights is critically important for our Catholic identity. 